0: legacy and not debt. Welcome to Affordable Final Expense, where we do all the shopping and you do all the saving. Hey, it's Mike Lucy here from the Leave a Legacy and Not That podcast. Today we're joined by a rock star, Yes, the rock stars. Thanks, David Trumpleman. David, who are you? What do you do? Why are you here?
1: <laughs> well, thanks for the introduction, Mike. I, I appreciate it. Um, well, I, I've been on Wall Street for 28 years, um, and I've done it all. I, I've been a broker, a uh, hedge fund trader, uh, mostly in the equities uh, part of the business, and uh, I've dealt into some commodities and foreign exchange as well. Um, I've traded equities I've traded uh, um, commodities and FX as well Um, about 12 years ago I decided to make a little bit of a change and instead of being in the brokerage side of the business I I moved kind of to the other side of the business uh, which is the analytical side of the business Um, just felt like I can uh, help people more that way uh, and it was a great move for us and Now I do a lot of retirement planning and help people set themselves up for retirement and I couldn't be
0: happier for it. Thanks for that intro, Dave. Uh, You said one word for me that's very important and the word was analytical or analytics. Um, Let me explain to everyone listening what David does for me and how he can help you. Whenever I have a problem, a case, uh, a person that has reached out to me for help, I collect information and if it's a complex enough case, I'll run it by David. What David does for me is, David knows the answers off the top of his head, and it's almost like it's too good to be true, but every single time I run a case by David, he's right. The numbers might be off by a percentage or two, but when you're running a case through your head, I find it absolutely amazing, Dave, that you're able to, to come up with these solutions. Is that a function of experience, passion? Like, How does that come about?
1: I think it's a, p- a function of just fear of not being prepared, um, that's kind of the way I run my life, I'm, I'm a big sports fan, I, I coach a lot of sports and um, I also trade the markets and I, I know how important it is to be prepared, to be ready for anything that comes your way because I, I guess I learned that from trading the markets that you know you have to be quick on your feet so for me it was always a fear of not being prepared. And also, I really enjoy what I do. So I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly looking at things. I'm constantly researching stuff. So a lot of times, I will know the answer. Um, Hmm. But if I don't, I I can assure you, I'll let you know I don't. But I promise you, I will find the answer pretty quickly. I do know how to do that. I am good at that. But I think it's just it's a matter of just being prepared uh, for anything. You know, that's important in anything in life.
0: Yeah, and and another thing that I've learned from you, Dave, is like attention to detail. Uh, There's many times where we're talking about discussing a problem, and I may say words uh, a little bit different than the industry standard is. And you always uh, correct me, and you do so in a constructive way. And You know, we can laugh about it, but the reality is, is you're very detail-oriented, and there's times where I I feel like pulling my hair out. But then I walk away, and I'm like, you know what? David's right. So the attention to detail is another thing that really sticks out for me. So thanks for all the help on that end, Dave.
1: Well, you know, one of my old partners that I used to work with in the commodities business years ago, um, he used to say one thing to me. He's like, it's the little things that count. He's uh-huh. like, everybody, everybody can be do the big things and the obvious things, but in business or anything in life, it's the little things that count. And And I think that's I've always remembered that, even though I didn't like him very much. He,
0: he was right about that. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so we've talked about analytics. we talked about uh, being prepared and we talked about uh, details. So real quick, if we can have a conversation about the direction of the industry, some of the observations I've found, some of the research I've done. And the, the research is consumers, there's sentiment amongst consumers not to trust agents. Um, I, what I'd like to have happen is, you know, in due course of this conversation, is explain, talk a little bit about why consumers don't trust agents and what agents such as us need to do to gain consumer confidence back.
1: Right. I don't think it's a matter of just something that's uh, strictly in the insurance business. I think that's in general. You know, mm-hmm. people don't like lawyers. They don't trust lawyers. Sometimes they don't trust their accountants. Uh, In the early 90s when I first started in the business I was a stockbroker and you know if you ever saw the movie Wolf of Wall Street or Boiler Room you know those were the type of businesses and companies I used to work for and after a number of years you know people started to not trust their brokers anymore. Um, so when 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 industries are not along the right path and there's people in industries who are just not doing the right things by their clients and and you can go into any type of industry you know even even you you walk into a car Um, dealership you know there's always gonna be that cheesy car salesman that you don't trust so unfortunately Mm -hmm. there's a right and a a wrong way to do things some businesses are more regulated than others but you know for me as a consumer when I go into something you know trust is a big thing you know people Mm -hmm. want to do business with people that they trust and they like Um, and sometimes the people that they trust and they like may not be the most knowledgeable but you know gaining somebody's trust it's not an easy thing it's something that's earned not not demanded but, you know, for, for us, you know, as, as um, you know, agents or, or advisors and, you know, whatever you're doing, you know, j- just doing the right thing, I think, shows to people. Um, I think that comes off in, in, a, in a bright way where, where people will, will learn to trust you if you just do that. Um, and that's really important.
0: So as I or we peel away a layer of that onion or two, a couple layers, what comes to mind for the trust component is. Options in the marketplace for consumers right now are they can work with an agent, a broker, an independent, or they can go out to a website and do self-service. Consumer sentiment right now is that the, the online, online self servicing channels, those include Globe, Ladder, Select Quote, Health IQ. There have increased their businesses increased so much in the last say three to five years Uh that it's putting a lot of pressure on the agents and brokers a lot of it has to do with trust a lot of it has to do with consumers wanting a convenient experience what what is your take on why some of the consumer businesses shifted to these online uh these online offerings these online businesses david
1: well, first of all, it was just the evolution of the internet. It gave people the opportunity to do that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I could never have done what I did in 2003 to 2010 back in the mid 90s. You know, I, the internet was not there, social media was not there. You know, mm-hmm. you had you had to do things a certain way. I think all businesses have evolved that way, and people now have the ability to take things into their own hands and and I think they feel more comfortable with it even if they're getting advice you know years ago when we had clients in the brokerage business there was no internet there was no quota there was no something to look up you know someone got their statement once a month and every month they found out how their portfolios are doing now you can go online and see in real time every minute every second of the day Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that part of it has evolved and, and, you know, people just want to take things into their own hands and, you know, just like the insurances in business, you can go on Facebook or you can go on these things and get quotes and, and, you know, go through people who, you know, say they, you know, they have no ties to anybody and they're unbiased. And just like you can now invest in these, um, robo investment advisors and cutting out the middleman and having to deal with somebody. Just because it's easy, just because it it puts something into your own hands doesn't mean it's better either, okay? And it's something that we have to battle with, but nothing's still going to replace – a person, a person who knows what they're doing. A computer cannot think on their feet, a computer cannot adjust like a person does. I know we're in the age of artificial intelligence but we're still way off before a computer or any type of algorithm can outshine someone's instincts as a person. Um, and I think that's still what separates us from that type of community and you know like I mentioned before if you do the right thing you're knowledgeable you know you, you get people's trust you, you, you still will be able to outperform you know, those self-made or self, you know, directed
0: type of accounts
1: and, and companies
0: to work for. I gotcha. Uh, so as you're speaking, you know, one of the things that that came to mind here is if you're, if you're a consumer and you're, you're shopping around for insurance and the most important thing for you is convenience. If one of the most important things for you is you just don't want to be bothered with a human at all. If that's part of your, objective or goal then by all means these online self-service channels are great however that being said if your goal is to get the absolute best product the best policy for your dollar what are what's a better approach or strategy for that person looking for that best product for them david
1: Well, you need to find somebody who really knows what they're doing. Either through searching or referrals is actually the best. You know, ask friends, ask coworkers if they're dealing in that stuff. The problem is with going online for these things, you're not, you don't understand the business so you're not going to be, you're not going to have the ability to have the choices or to develop the choices that you will have if you speak to somebody in person that knows what they're doing, that can tailor everything to what you need. You know, the the investment business, the insurance business, nothing is a one-size-fits-all. Everything has to be tailored to what your needs are. And that, if you don't know how to ask those questions or what questions to ask to these online companies, you're not going to get those choices and you're not going to get set up with what you need. The key is, is to have someone who will ask you those important questions. And sometimes they'll enlighten you to something that you did not realize. Now, I understand everybody wants the convenience of going online and not meeting with somebody. Um, you know, people just, people just don't want to pick up their phones anymore. I mean, how many times you, you get on the phone and call people and no one picks mm-hmm. up their phone? I mean I don't do it anymore. If I don't know the number, I don't pick up my phone. It's it's a very frustrating thing. People just want to communicate, especially millennials. They just want to communicate in a little different way. So it's been a little bit of an adjustment. But as I know and you know as well, you know, you may go back and forth with someone in a text or an email. But once you get them on the phone, there's still nothing like that, okay? And I think that's the hardest part for us is just being able to get someone on the phone or meet with someone in person. But I say if you're if you're looking to do something, you know, like ask friends, ask family, ask coworkers, who you're dealing with, who you trust, that's still the best way to go about doing something. Because if you meet somebody that, that really knows what they're talking about and then give you the options, you're gonna be much better off in the long run. But right now that's just kind of a product of our society
0: and, and what it's become. And, You know, it's something you just have to deal with. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing all of that. Uh, Next part of the conversation is if we can break, if we can pick that brain of yours, David, um, what I'd like to do is just go through a couple demographical uh, categories of people, break them down by age and hear in your expert opinion where you would guide those people if they were to come to you with a just a general request. We don't want to get into a detailed type of request, but someone says, hey, I'm looking to protect my family. I'm looking to protect my assets. I'm looking to pre- prepare for my retirement or I'm trying to help my kids or grandchildren out. So let's break this down into age groups. Okay. And real, real quick, I'm just gonna throw an age group out there and just quickly tell me what you would recommend for that. So the zero so from an infant, zero years old, just born yesterday to 18 years old, what do you recommend? Okay.
1: Well, most people don't think that that demographic should be doing anything in the insurance business. You know, what does a five-year-old or two-year-old need life insurance for? And Mm -hmm. to be really honest, the two-year-old doesn't need to be protected. But what people don't realize is that there's other uses for life insurance. Okay. Um, And one of the biggest things for life insurance, and I deal with a lot of um grandparents on this who do this for their grandkids is you can set up a um, a toddler from a year a, as much as a couple days after they're born or at least a year depend, depending on you know the company um, with index universal life policies and mm-hmm. these these policies um, can be bought on the uh, insurance on the, the child, and it can act as, if it's done early enough, it can act as a, ch- uh, a funding for a college education without any market risk, uh, it could be used later on in life to, to buy a house, buy a car, basically, you know, start, start your, your grandkids or your kids up with something that they'll be able to fund the rest of their life. Um Now, obviously, you know, kid people that age don't really need a death benefit. They have no one to protect. They have no dependencies. So it's all about building cash value where they can take out a, and um, a, a tax-free and a, or interest-free and basically fund everything that they want to do. Imagine taking out a college loan without having to pay interest or pay it back mm-hmm. when you want to or not pay it mm-hmm. back at all or buy a car without having to pay interest on it, and pay it back mm-hmm. as you want to, or maybe not even pay it back at all, or put a down payment on a house, okay? And all this without a credit check or anybody telling you, well, your credit score is not this, your credit score is not that, it's your money, you can go ahead and take it. So there's a lot of benefits for, for, for starting this stuff earlier, uh, and the earlier you start it, the more beneficial it will be, especially if you're looking for college, because that, that creeps up on you pretty quickly. I got you.
0: All right. So actually, I think you answered the next age group, but let's go through that real quick. So let's look at 18 to 30 year olds. What would you recommend for that person in college, that person just graduating, young professionals, newlyweds, people buying their first house? What should they be doing?
1: Well, this demographic's a little harder. Um, because you know, it, you, you now have to convince an adult that he needs insurance. Okay. And at 18, 19, 25, I mean, I don't know what, when you got married. I got married at 30 and I met my wife at 28. The last thing I thought I needed in my early twenties or mid twenties was insurance. Insurance for what? What do I need to protect? Okay. And at that time, I didn't even understand what insurance was. You know, for me, it was just—it's a death benefit. Well, if I die, who am I leaving money to? So the biggest thing that we need to do um, as advisors is show people at this age because it's so important to start this stuff early. I think—I think you asked me the other day. You know, if you knew at 25 what you know today, you know what would you do? And that's so true. You know, and you know, I know now, and I knew nothing back then. But you know, from from 18 to 30, a if you have an index universal life policy started earlier in life that we talked about, you, you now want to take control of it, you're now working and you now want to continue to contribute to that. That's the most important thing. If you don't have one, you really need to start one, okay? Um, now, I'm not saying stay away from 401Ks, I'm not saying stay away from the stock market. You know, Everybody should have a little bit of both and it depends on on the person. You know, if you have a company who's going to match money for you in a 401k, Mm. then by all means do it. That's free money. okay? but you you should have at least something uh, in an IUL where you can continue to build what you've already started when you were a child or to start something where you can, you know, basically fund the rest of your life. And the biggest, Mm. the hardest part there is just convincing someone they need protection. Now, mm-hmm. some people get married a little earlier. You know, I got married towards the end of that, that, that spectrum. So obviously, if you have someone who's 22, 23, 24, or just got married and has kids, it's easier to convince them or show them why they need protection. So mm-hmm. again, that, that's probably the hardest demographic to really help understand why they need something.
0: Uh, I have an off-the-cup question for you here, David. I've actually met with a few uh, people between the ages of 25 and 30. And what you described, is exactly what I've come up against. It, looking back at that, how do you, how can you help people understand that preparing for be, getting married in five or ten years? Because that's on everyone's radar. I mean, no one's going to say I'm never going to get married. Yeah. No one's going to say I'm not going to have kids. No one's going to say I'm not going to buy a house. Even if they do say that, chances are they're going to end up doing that anyways. Anyways, what would you say to that twenty-five-year-old that says, "You know what? I am going to have." A wife or a husband I am gonna have children and I am gonna have a house how can you help them prepare ahead of time before those events happen
1: you know what you're you're very rarely going to convince somebody that's not married or doesn't have kids that they need this protection okay and you know what to be honest they don't really necessarily need it at that time okay mm-hmm. you know a term policy is usually used for young people to protect people in their early eight, early years as your kids grow up because that, that's that's the time where you're spending and have the biggest costs. Okay? And you really don't need to have that in place until you're married and have kids because you don't have anything to protect. So, okay. it's pretty hard to convince somebody. On the other hand, the index universal life policy is is really built more for cash building, retirement money, funding things for life. It's not about the death benefit. As a matter of fact, in those policies, you want to keep the death benefit as low as possible and fund it as much as possible because you want your money working for you as much as possible instead of paying for life insurance. So it's kind of like the opposite. You know, In a term insurance, you want the most amount of insurance for the least amount of money. But in IUL, you want to put the most amount of money in that buys the least amount of life insurance. So- I got you. For me, that that would be the thing that I would really go after. Hey, you can fund, you can buy a new house, you can buy cars, you can fund the rest of your life, you can start your retirement. Because these people are already in the workforce, so that's something that they understand. Trying to make them understand that they need to buy life insurance when they don't have kids or they're married is very difficult to do. And sometimes it's it's best just to back off until they do have that
0: that um you know that that dependency. That need. I got you. So yeah. I, we're i'm derailing the train a little bit here but i I, i'll be honest i'm curious so i I, you keep referring to iuls we're going to talk about iuls in more detail on later episodes Uh, just everyone out there understand it's a life insurance vehicle that also provides cash accumulation over time so my question for you david is that 25 year old you're sitting down with them and you convince them that this is something that might be in his best interest are IULs flexible enough such that when you convince that 25 year old to buy it now that they can go for the lowest possible death benefit, highest possible cash accumulation, then five years later when they have a wife, a husband, children, a house, can they then increase their death benefit and adjust the adjust the policy for their needs over time?
1: Yes, that that's a very good question. And that's why uh, universal life policies are so popular now. Um, and a universal policy when we talk about cash building everybody knows what a whole life policy is. Well whole life policies have kind of gone by the board so not used as much anymore but it kind of works in the same thing you know you you pay a premium part of that money goes to pay for insurance part other part of it gets invested into a fixed account that buys bonds and it grows cash value over time you're allowed Mm -hmm. to borrow against that cash value tax-free very very simple what the universal policies do and the index universal policies do is like you said gives you flexibility allows you to overfund these um, policies meaning putting as much money you can buying the least amount of death benefit and in your younger years your cost of insurance is going to be low so the majority of that money is going to go into the investment account now in a universal life policy it's just going to go into a fixed account so maybe four percent where it's just buying bonds and treasuries. It has no market exposure. But the Index Universal Life has a uh, indexing feature that's tied to either the S&P 500 or any type of market where it allows you to make bigger returns, okay? Mm -hmm. With a floor of zero. So it's really nice in these policies, you only make money when the markets go higher, but you don't make, you don't lose any money when they go down. So you're really, you're really being conservative. You're, you're able to build money at a much higher rate of return than you will in the whole life policies. But the, the biggest advantage of those, like you said, if you overfund those in the beginning let's say you lose your job or let's say your expenses get a little higher you can actually cut down on those premiums and pay less premiums you can adjust those premiums okay on the flip side what you talked about let's say now you just got married and have kids you need a higher death benefit you can now increase that death benefit so the policies are very flexible going forward and people really really like that flexibility because in a whole life policy you got to pay those premiums every month or every year Okay, depending on what your premiums are, and in, in a in a universal life policy, you can skip premiums. You can not pay premiums for six months if you want to. Everything is flexible, and it, people really really like that. So that that's why these policies have become so popular.
0: in a, in a whole life policy, you're locked in, right? There's no flexibility.
1: There's none. You you're you're pay, you have to make the payments every month that are lapse. You can't skip payments. You can't adjust your you know once you're in, you're in. You can't adjust your face. You can't adjust your 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 premiums you're you're in and you're paying premiums for the life um now later on in life those can be self-funding where you can use dividends and cash value to self-fund that policy and if you funded it properly and early enough that that's always the way to go because most people don't really want to pay insurance premiums after they retire you know they're on uh, yeah and that that's usually the goal but not everybody has that choice but but a 25 to 30 year old certainly does um but we just don't use those whole life policies much anymore. Um, We usually use them for people, you know, 45 to 55 who may smoke, have some issues, who want to get started and have some permanent death benefit. Other than that, the the universal life policies can really be used for so many different things right now. And their Mm -hmm. flexibility uh, and their cash value accumulation potential just just makes it a much better, more effective policy. Gotcha. Uh,
0: All right, so the next age demographic, the next, category of ages is 30 to 45. What are your recommendations here,
1: Dave? Okay, well by then most people have kids, okay, most people have dependents, so by by then these people understand, you know, what their needs are. And you know, uh, the old rule of thumb is a a good portfolio is kind of a mixture of term and and permanent insurance. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, Meaning your term policies are going to be much cheaper you know so you may need a million dollars term in the in in the first in for 20 years or so you know you got kids you have to raise them they have to go to camp they got to be clothed they got to be fed they got to go to college Your, your wife has to be able to pay off a mortgage or pay the bills and everything income replacement so the great thing about a term policy is is yeah it's not permanent but you can get a lot of, po- of coverage for a very small amount of money. So that's very, very popular at that age. And, and in your 30s, your cost of insurance is still pretty relatively cheap. You know, once you turn 40, it, it starts to go higher a little bit, but under 40, your, your cost of insurance is. Now, if you haven't started an IUL uh, yet, and maybe you're in a 401k, you know, everybody's different, but it's still early enough that you can start an IUL. Uh, even for Mm -hmm. a small amount of money I I would say that the the, the cutoff area is 45 uh, but even above 45 you still can do it you just need to be able to fund it properly but but, but, but anytime under 45 you can start that IUL Um, now obviously you're not going to be able to use it for college or buying a house or, or doing some stuff but to start setting yourself up retirement or give you some alternatives you know there's still plenty of time in that age to do so and like I said, that's the age where most people have gotten married and start having kids, so, you know, th- that's your easiest demographic to concern, you know, to really uh, convince that what they really need because they understand it the most, you know, they've got young kids, they're running around screaming and, you know, they, they feel the pain like, oh my God, what, what if something happens to me, what happens to my wife, what happens to my kids, all the stuff that needs to be paid for. So, you know, that, that's the most important time to have as much coverage as you need and can get.
0: Uh, all right. Uh, next age category, David, is 45 to 60. What do you recommend for people between ages 45 and 60?
1: Well, this is a gray area. Okay. If you haven't done anything yet, it's, it's, it's a little tough okay and it's kind of a little late to start an IUL unless you have a lot of money to fund it with because you know you really don't want to be paying premiums over the age of 67 to 70 that's about the average age of retirement right now so to start an an IUL in your late 40s early 50s or even close to 60 is very very difficult Um, Mm -hmm. and if you can't do it at that time there are some alternatives term insurance has now become expensive Uh, and at that age your 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 kids are grown up, they're probably in college or out of college and and, you know, I just turned fifty last year and you know, for the first time you say, Wow, I'm actually closer to retirement now. You know, than I was to the beginning of my career. So it's kind of like the first time in your life you're actually really serious about retirement and getting concerned with it. Uh, you may want to pull in the ropes a little bit. You may want to take some of that four hundred one k money and roll it over into annuities. Okay, there we talked about indexed universal life, where there's also indexed annuities where you can have the same type of strategies and you can eliminate that um, eliminate that market exposure. You know, what if you're ready to retire and all of a sudden a 2001 or a 2008 happens when you lose 30, 40% of your money? You know, this is the time where you really have to start conserving uh, and getting a little conservative with your money and not being as bold, not taking chances. And the way to do that is to kind of get out of the market, stop contributing there, and start contributing to an annuity product, um, which has advantages also. Um, it's tax deferred just like, a, um, just like a 401k plan and the beauty of it if something should happen to you all your all your benefit and all that money you put into it is given to your um, your, your beneficiaries tax free you know mm-hmm. unlike if something happened and your IRA was sitting there or your 401k plan so for 45 to 60 annuities is definitely a huge option uh, especially if it's very difficult to uh, start funding an IUL And by the age of 45 to 60, most people have accumulated some money somewhere, either in savings, hopefully, Mm -hmm. or some type of 401k, or or maybe they have some old 401k that's just sitting there doing nothing. Now is the time to kind of, you know, start eliminating some of that market risk, getting a little conservative and start thinking about retirement.
0: So uh, explain to me a little further, an IRA and or a 401k, what happens if you die? Where does that money
1: go? Well, it goes through probate. You know, I, I, don't forget an IRA and a 401k is tax deferred money. Okay. Uncle Sam's going to want his money sooner or later. You know, what do you think he does? It out of the goodness of his heart. You know, he, he's your partner in your, in your retirement, you know, believe it or not. <laughs> he, he is. And, you know, he even tells you by the age of 70 and a half, if you haven't, if you haven't started to take money out of your IRA, he makes you do it because he start, he wants to start having his money. You know, it's, wor- right. it's, wor- it's worse than the bookie or a loan shark. You know, he's forcing you to do that. So what happens in a 401k and IRA, if you should die, it goes through probate. You know, Uncle Sam needs his taxes. Money goes through that. Taxes get paid. The estate has to pay taxes and then you get the rest. Well, that could be 34 30 32 percent you know that get tack that gets taxed as income so let's say you had a hundred thousand dollars in your in your IRA or 401k and you pass away you know your your um, your beneficiaries will will get maybe you know 68 thousand of it okay uh, because it has to go through probate but if you took that money and put it into an annuity okay that money is still working tax deferred like your 401k but if you should pass away that that money gets passed tax-free to your beneficiaries they would receive the whole hundred thousand so that's a very big feature as far as annuity also you know annuity <laughs> doesn't build a cash value or death benefit like mm-hmm. an IUL does but the biggest thing is it avoids probate it, get, it gets passed on tax-free in full to your beneficiaries so that's all part of getting a little bit conservative because obviously you know, when you're 30, 45, you, you don't, your mortality isn't, you know, you don't really think, you know, you think you're going to live forever. But, you know, when you're 45 to 60, your health may start to deteriorate a little bit. You kind of mm. start thinking about your mortality and, you know, obviously more stuff can happen in that in that time period. So annuities are a great thing to get started, especially over the age of 50. And I'm not saying put all your money into it. It's, uh. it's, 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 and that's a big thing that people don't like. They, oh, I don't want annuities because they think they got to put all their money into it. No, 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 no. Okay, annuities is just the tool in the toolbox. Some people feel comfortable about putting all their money into annuities, because that's yeah. what they want. Some people are, are, want to still grow, want to still have that exposure, that's fine. So I'm saying you need to put at least 10% of it or all of it, and that, that, that's gonna depend on each individual person. It's not for everybody, and, yeah. and everybody has their own risk tolerance and need. So that that, that
0: is on a case by case basis. David, you are a rock star. that's awesome. That's great information right there. Um, next age bracket is above 60 we'll call it 60 to 85 or 60 to end of life what do you recommend
1: well 60 to 85 if you don't have insurance by now I'm not gonna say you're out of luck but it it makes things very difficult Um, then you're you're kind of you know looking at maybe like a final expense policy where you know you're just really looking to um, cover your, your funeral expenses. So your, your spouse or your kids don't get stuck with the bill. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. It's almost too late to start accumulating anything as far as a death benefit, unless you're very wealthy and ha- and have, and have, um, and have a lump sum of money to put into a whole life policy. That's usually not the case. People with money or have disposable income have typically taken care of that way before the age between 60 and 85. But right. you know, by age 60, you're kind of approaching retirement. OK, so, you know, we talked about getting a conservative between 45 and 60. Well, 60, you really need to start pulling in the reins. You know, you, you need to start thinking about really putting your money into annuities because what annuities are is they can be used in two different ways. They can be used for growth, but they can also be liquidating your assets in retirement. You know, why do we work and save money in IRAs and, and 401ks and IULs for our entire life? We do that mm. so we have money to spend in retirement, not to sit. Okay? So the whole idea is, you know, when, you, when you're approaching 60, and, you know, 60-85 is obviously a high range. You know, talking from the insurance side, your really only thing is to – for like a cheap final expense policy which they're not really that cheap unfortunately but at least you can get something maybe 30 40 50 bucks a month that might be able to cover at least your funeral expenses which which is important you know you know people people die and their spouses can't afford it and those bills are are left with spouses and kids and that's not fair either um, so from the insurance standpoint, you really don't have much options with that at that point. But, you know, from 60 to 65, you're getting ready to retire. And the last thing you want to happen is a 2008 or a 2001 where your money all of a sudden drops 30, 40 percent. OK, I know I've seen that that happened to my father, happened to him twice. He was ready to retire before 2001, lost 40 percent. Oh, the good news is he made all his money back. But, you know, it only took seven years to do that and then 2008 happened. So here's a guy who was looking to retire at 63 didn't retire. Okay. And I so guess. I've seen, I, I've seen how that happens firsthand. But, um, yeah, at the early sixties, you really want to, you know, limit your exposure to the market, start putting things into annuities, even if it's a growth annuity, you can still grow your money at that age. But the, the key is, is to eliminate your exposure mm-hmm. to the markets. And, and again, you know, putting money there takes money out you know you, you, you're you, you eliminate probate and you're you can you can pass that money off tax-free now when you turn 70 and a half you have to do it okay you have to yeah. okay so you can't even keep money in a qualified plan there so you know the earlier you start doing it the better off that that you are but you don't you don't want to have to start liquidating your 401k at 70 and a half because then you have that then you have issues with paying taxes on it and hurting your social security and your medic medicare uh, oh, benefits yeah. there's a whole there's a whole backlash that can happen what people don't realize and who knows what the tax bracket yeah. should I'm be in 10 15 years you know we have the lowest got- tax brackets right now could be a lot higher so you you could be deferring your taxes now and paying higher taxes on the way out I mean that doesn't make yeah. any sense but that, that's the whole problem with our 401 k system it just it's broken it doesn't work and people just don't understand that
0: is there any tax penalty for moving or is there any I don't want to call a penalty. What's required of you in terms of cost if you want to shift money from 401k to an annuity?
1: The only penalty you have is if taking money out of a qualified plan before age of 59 and a half. Now, you, you can take money, you can roll over money from a 401k into annuity inside your qualified plan. That's done all the time. So that means you're, you're eliminating your market exposure and keeping money inside your IRA. You're, we'll call it a qualified plan. It could be an IRA, it could be a 401k, it could be a 403b plan if you're a teacher. You know, e- either one of those plans. But at 70 and a half, you, know, you have you have the RMDs, the Required Minimum Distributions. You're going to have to start taking some of that out and paying taxes on it. Uh, it, it's just it's just the way it is. But the key is is listen, you're going to have to pay taxes on that 401k money. It's been growing tax deferred for years. There's nothing you can do about it. The mm-hmm. benefit about the IOL is is that it's been growing tax deferred all those years and you won't have to pay taxes on, on any money being called out. But mm-hmm. if you don't have the IOL and you do have 401k plan, you at least have to start reining in and eliminating your market risk. Because as you get closer to retirement, you cannot afford losing 30, 40% of your money and then mm-hmm. having to live on it. Because don't forget, you, you have, let's say you have a million dollars, you lose 30, 40% of it, you're now down to uh, 700, 650. Then you have to start taking money out, you're still paying money, on, you still have to pay taxes on the 650. So now you're down to probably 400,000. It's not a good scenario. And I got you know, you. yeah, the, the key is, is to really, really rein in and, and limit your exposure to the markets. And there's plenty of gr- good ways to do that.
0: Okay. A, a, a quick story for me is back in 2008, I lived in Pennsylvania and I played bridge day. Don't laugh at me, please. <laughs> <laughs> I played <Sorry>. competitive, competitive <laughs> bridge. Yeah. Um, a huge population of bridge players in New York, as you may know. Um, however, a lot of my friends and colleagues and bridge you know bridge playing people i hung out with were older what i vividly remember from 2008 were many of these people because of what happened in 2008 were already planning and preparing for retirement they were in their you know late 50s early 60s what 2008 did to them was they had to go back or they had to maintain their job they had to stay in the workforce for an additional five to ten years you know so now fast forward 10 years a lot of those people that I stay in contact with are, are retired, but their plans were deferred for five or 10 years.
1: And perfectly avoidable. But people, the problem is when markets are at the highs, people don't realize that this can happen. I think yeah. after 2001 and 2008, if you lived through it or saw somebody lived through it, you now understand a little bit better, okay? Before that, you really only had 1987 to, to talk to, but the markets have changed so much since the mm-hmm. late 90s. And we've since seen yeah. such a boom in these markets that, you know, this could happen again, it will happen again. And you know, we're 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 eleven years into a, a market boom here in a bull market. Yeah. And it's not gonna last forever. And again, it all depends what age you're in, but you know you made a good point about having to delay your retirement and going back to my dad you know in 2001 he was 63 years old so yeah he lost for 30 40 percent of his money but he was able to let it sit there and come back and keep adding to it so in 2008 he had more money still than he had 2001 but the problem is in 2008 when 2008 happened he had already retired and now he's now he's 71 years old so now mm-hmm. he doesn't have the income that he had and he's forced to take money out of his IRA because Uncle Sam wants his piece. It was it was it was much much worse than 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 in two thousand one. And you know by seeing this and and explaining this to people, it really hits home. And these are the stories I tell my clients. Okay, I, I use the story of my father because it's a perfect story to use. You know, and you know I, I tell people this is what can happen. Like wow. You know, I don't want that to happen to me. You know, what if, what if you can you can you afford to have less money in seven years or the same amount of money in seven years or miss seven years of growth? You know, mm-hmm. if you're 58, 59. Most people say no. Well, this is the time to, 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 to you know, to, to eliminate that exposure. And it, it's a very it's a very easy thing to do. And the next thing is, is just show them the numbers, showing people the numbers and comparing. And we've got software that does that. Is the easiest way to do, Mr. Mrs. Jones. Which do you want? Which person do you want? Very easy, mm-hmm. and it's it's it's
0: it's a no-brainer. Okay. And the last thing I'd like to ask for you, David. We were planning on touching upon uh, IULs and annuities, but you've you've already knocked knocked that one out of the park for us. So what I'd like to do is uh, take David Truplow for a test ride and build a case out. And without looking in any of your books or cheat sheets, David, tell me what you would do. All right. Here's the straw man. I am a 40-year-old male with a wife, two children, a house. I need some insurance, but I also am very aware of my retirement and my disposable income is $100 a month. What would you recommend for me?
1: How old are your children?
0: Uh, they're, we'll call them four and six.
1: Okay, so four and six, you figure you have 15 years of your big expenses, meaning you're you're, you're bringing your kids up and you have to pay for college. Okay, so Mm -hmm. you're looking at about 15 years. So you really have two options. Okay, at 40 years old, a 15 year term policy for maybe a half a million dollars is pretty, mm-hmm. is pretty inexpensive. Probably get it for 20 bucks. Okay, mm. Um, mm. it's, you know, especially if you're in good health. Okay, the better health you are, the, the more. Uh, and then you can take the other 80 and start investing it into an index universal life policy because that will give you the permanent insurance that you'll want when you're 55, 60, 65. Okay, which is very important. That, that's mm-hmm. one way to go. Um, uh, you know another way to go is to uh, go strictly with the IUL um, you can, you can uh, uh, arrange it a little bit where your death benefit is higher and doesn't accumulate as much cash value but that way it might give you the flexibility that you want okay because don't forget a term policy has no flexibility the price is what it is you have to pay it and, and that's it so okay. you know you really you have a couple of options it all depends on what's most important to you But for everybody with young kids, you know, the biggest thing is, is you need to make sure that you have income replacement set by the time they at least go to college. Now, everybody wants to be able to have a death benefit that pays for college. But let's face it, you know, a college education is not life or death. Okay eating clothing having a roof over your house that is so even if you can't plan for a college education you should at least plan enough money for that 15 years to cover Mm -hmm. your your mortgage food monthly expenses whatever your monthly expenses are and that's very easy to calculate if you can Mm -hmm. cover your college education for your kids too even more than better but you know not everybody is able to do so and it all comes down to what the budget is of course
0: Cool. Uh, thank you for answering that. And knowing David, like I know David, he's probably pulling his hair out saying to himself, Mike, I need more information. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? <laughs>
1: well, you know, the more the more information you have, yeah. the better you can serve somebody. OK. Yeah. And yeah, you you know, if you gave me that information or I sat down with somebody, There's about 20 or 30 other questions I I would have asked or needed
0: to ask. I got you. But here's what I learned is, uh, so I I have one question before I add to this is when I said $100 $100 a month disposable income, what what was your reaction? Is that, you know, is David Troubleman thinking to himself, he needs more money, less money. That's just right. What is, what are your thoughts? Listen, I'm never one to
1: judge. You know, people have different economic conditions in their life. I'm not going to judge someone because they're, their, um, their disposable income is a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or maybe fifty dollars. You have to work with what's comfortable. The worst thing that you can do is set somebody up with anything in life that's gonna that's gonna affect their monthly bills okay. You have to be able to pay your bills that, that income that that Because that policy has to be paid for you don't want them to inconvenience or to affect anything else that they have to do so never judge because someone only has this or only has that you you take that money and you set them up with the best thing that you can do some and and sometimes you're not able to cover everything and when you can't cover everything and and Mike we've used this term before the critical period you know if we, if we can't cover everything, let's, let's at least cover a critical period. When the critical period is usually a small death benefit amount, and it's only meant to cover the, the first couple of years or so, or a or, or, or small amount of time after you die, if something should happen. Where, you know, your wife has enough money to take care of your kids, she has a year or two to stay in the house, make decisions, she's got some money, To to move on, you know, or or just get a job. She 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 has enough time where she can get back on her feet. Where if you didn't have any life insurance and you're gone and the income's gone, all of a sudden the house is foreclosed on. They can't eat. They can't they can't take care of the kids. So a budget has nothing to do. Anything can be can be worked into any budget anywhere. Obviously, you'd rather have your cake and eat it too. But but that's not that's not always the case. Um, okay. And I, I usually tell my clients, I'm like, hey, listen, I would have loved to drive into this appointment in a Ferrari, okay, and, <laughs> but I didn't need a Ferrari to get here, okay. I only needed a I, uh, a Hugo or a bicycle, I could have gotten here in the same way. But I can afford a Honda or a Lexus, you know. So, what you want, what you need doesn't doesn't mean it, you have to get there. It, it's the same thing of getting to point, you know, A to B. Um, so yeah, we we can work in with anybody's budget. Anything can be tailored, and and again, that just goes back to the questions. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. just qu- questions are big concerns. What 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 what's what's your main concern? What are you worried about the most? Are you worried about retirement? Are you worried about dying? Are you worry about you know having you know leaving a legacy? You know, protecting your kids everybody has a different a different fear and and that's it and it's it's all about tailoring it to them within their budget
0: that's always important well that straw man i built for you i learned a lot from what uh, from your response david I, it never crossed my mind to allocate the money the way you did so allocate twenty percent of that hundred into a term with a higher face value and then 80 percent of it or eighty dollars into an iul that that that's amazing that you thought of that right off the cuff. Thanks for sharing that. All right, David. Uh we're at the end of this. I want to thank you for joining and sharing your infinite wisdom with us.
1: My pleasure. Uh, Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah. So who are you? What do you do? How can you help people and how do they get a hold of you?
1: Uh well. I've got a lot of experience uh, dealing with people. Um, I, I understand about retirement, saving for retirement. I understand how the 401Ks, the IRA, IRAs work. Um, and, and again, it's all about tailoring stuff to your needs. Uh, that's, that's the most important thing. Um, there are alternatives to just putting money in a tax-deferred account. People do not realize it. Uh, for me, it's it's just about making people understand that there's so many different alternatives uh, and on insurance products that that can really really help you in different ways that you didn't even realize. An insurance an insurance product is not just a death benefit. And something that we didn't even touch on this whole conversation is living benefits. You know, which mm. allows you to access this money if you're terminal, if you get sick, if you become disabled. You know, with, with health care and long term care, you know, how many people? I just read today an article um, a husband and wife murder suicide, murder suicide, an older couple. Why? Because they couldn't pay their medical bills. Okay, mm. this, this is what our country has come to. Okay, with, with a proper policy, those medical bills are taken care of before you die while you're living. So, all I have to say to people is don't look at an insurance as just a death benefit. Don't blow your insurance agent or someone talking about insurance. by not want to be bothered by another guy talking about insurance. Because you, there's so much things that run so much deeper that you can do with these products that meets the eye that most people just don't understand. So my, my suggestion is just keep an open mind. And if you do so, I'll ask you all the questions that you need. And I'll tailor everything to, to everything that you need. Um, for you to help you succeed and, and be protected in any way that you can.
0: That is awesome advice. And how do they get a hold of you, David?
1: Well, they can either email me at uh, dtruffleman at i10research.com. Uh, my phone number is 919-376-7306. Uh, just give me a call, send me an email or a text if you want. Some people just prefer that way. So I give them the option and we can do a consultation. All consultations are free okay we'll, we'll sit down we'll talk we'll talk about your financial uh, um, house and we'll talk about your health history and your, your needs your concerns and you know then we
0: can share some ideas and go from there awesome well thanks again for joining dave okay and once again my name is mike lucy from the leave a legacy and not debt podcast i can be reached by phone and text at 734-288-8323 if you have any questions in the state of michigan colorado or otherwise any other states feel free to reach out to me again anytime mike lucy l-u-c-y 734-288-8323 thanks everyone